You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Season is now a couple of weeks old, and we're going to assess where we are with each team. Let's talk a little Mariners baseball with Greg Johns, the beat writer for this team. Uh, I'm Allison Footer. Um, Greg, I found uh, our our colleague, Anthony Castrovinch, wrote a really interesting story about Edgar Martinez, who is the hitting coach, and that he's embracing this role, um, and it's much different times now that we're in than when he was a player, where they are breaking everything down. And, and that's what I think is interesting. I, I did a study on this a couple of years ago. I talked to a lot of people about can, can great hitters become great hitting coaches, and the answer is depends on who the guy is. <laughs> some, some that had wonderful success as hitters can't really be that hitting coach because they can't identify with the guy that struggles. Um, what makes Edgar Martinez a good hitting coach, assuming that he is, and he seems to be? Yeah, it's interesting, and you're right, Allison. It's it's a it's a pretty common theme in all sports, really. That the guys who are natural athletes, you know, aren't always great coaches because they they do it naturally. Uh, it, they don't always you know think things through as much as a, a coach will. But uh, Edgar has, has has done very well in that role, and and I think for for one reason, which is he, he communicates very well, and he always even as a player. I remember when they hired him as a hitting coach, uh, talking to Willie Bloomquist and some of the. Some of the other guys were still around who had played with Edgar, and, and the first thing they said was, "He'll, he's going to be good because as a player, he would they would go to him and, and he would see things and and just just had that keen eye and, and an ability to watch opposing uh, pitchers and really study situations and and able to communicate that and and, and you know what to look what to look for in different situations and and really a, a mental approach, a mental hitter at the plate, and you know thinking ahead of a pitcher. You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, somebody was telling the story the other day that. Uh, Edgar uh, one time was at the plate in a in a, in a I don't know 02 count or something. Took a pitch and just took a pitch right down the middle and didn't swing at it and, and went back to the later said uh, that wasn't my mistake. Like he threw the wrong pitch in that situation. You know, he was he was thinking ahead and he, he thought the, the pitcher hadn't thrown the right pitch to him as he was ready for something else. But you know he he was just that that guy and and I think he's imparting that a lot to the to the young hitters and, and kind of how to get ready for situations and prepare things. And as you mentioned, Anthony did a, a, a great a columnist. That's Anthony is an excellent columnist for here at MLB.com. And a piece talking to Edgar about, uh, you know, when Edgar played, he didn't like to focus so much on all the, you know, some of the, the video and things that's so prevalent now and some of the statistics and uh, feels you can kind of get overwhelmed at times. So, you know, really, you know, clearing the mind once you get up to the plate is key, but, but these guys do use a lot of preparation. We've got the, the iPads in the dugouts now that, uh, that Edgar and others are using to, to get ahead on uh, you know, pitchers they're going to face and what they throw and what and uh, you know all the numbers are there. So it, it is an interesting blend. And, and Edgar, just to me, one of the great figures in in Mariners history. Uh, you know, really a, a welcome part of this team and by the fans and the players and the uh, coaches alike. Uh, uh, it's been great to have him aboard here for the last uh, for the last year. I think that's the most interesting part is that he was saying when he was a player that it was you didn't want really all this information because you wanted, like you said, wanted to be able to keep your head clear, and it was like too much that's clogging it up. Um, and now it's sort of his job, I guess, to filter that out. So part of his job is to be looking at every single thing he possibly can on all of these guys and then knowing what information to pass on to them uh, without overwhelming them. So that would seem like you really have to have a special talent for that, and not anybody can just come in and do that. Yeah, I don't think it's easy, and I think every hitter is different too. Uh, you know, some guys want as much information as they can get. You know, there are others who, you know, flat out said, "Hey, I, I don't want all that. I've got you know a couple thousand bats in the big leagues. I, you know, I'm, I, I don't need to 
you know, look at the iPad a moment before I run out to the, the plate, you know, get, like, keep, keep, keep my mind clear and then let me uh, just, just be myself. And, and these guys are pretty good about, you know, respecting, you know, Scott services message from the day he got here was, you know, be yourself. You know, you tell them, tell us what works for you. And, uh, and, and, you know, we'll make that work. Uh, and, and I think Edgar's pretty good at, at adjusting as well to different guys and, and their approaches, but it, it's a learning process. And Edgar is new at the job himself. You know, he started in mid season last year and, and uh, will be the first to admit that, you know, he's, he's learning how to be a coach as well. Let's move on to talk a little Mike Zanino. So I, I think this is an interesting storyline just because, and I think I was talking to you about it a couple of years ago because they didn't really know, like they, they kind of rushed him and they realized that they were rushing him. He's a, he was their first pick in 2012, which was not that long ago. Um, and he never really put it together at the plate. And they just kept like trying to figure out, and correct me if I'm wrong, trying to figure out if it was like worth just keeping him up there and hoping that it didn't mess him up too much, like the failures at the plate while developing his skills behind the plate, which are very good. Um, and it seems like they have like a different kind of plan for him now with the new front office, and he is a AAA raking right now. So is that kind of where they're changing their philosophy on him a little bit? Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, the, the, the new regime, you know, felt he was rushed, and it's hard to argue with that. You know, he, everybody, you know, loves what this kid can do behind the plate, and I think everybody thinks, uh, at least most people think he can he can be a pretty good hitter from what he did in college, and, and the reason he was the number three overall pick uh, in the draft uh, there's a lot there. There's a lot there to like, and a great kid and hard worker. Uh, but it, you know, it just didn't happen at the plate. You know, he just he hit for some power, but his, his batting average and on base were, were you know way below what what they needed and what he wanted and all those things. So you know, they said, hey, let's send him down to AAA. Let's give him the time that he didn't get when he was rushed. Let's give him let's give him a year down there if he needs it. Let's give him you know whatever months it, it takes for him to just really get a, an approach and a plan that will when they bring him back up. He's going to be ready, and it's not a case where we're yo-yoing back and forth between AAA and, and the majors trying to get him comfortable. He needs to stay down there for a while, and uh, which has made an interesting start here to the season. Now, since you point, uh, he, he's killing it in, in AAA Tacoma, and, and uh, six homers in five games uh, stretch, hitting uh, over 400, and, and just doing everything you'd want. But uh, you know, uh, Scott Service yesterday saying, "Hey, you know, we have to stick with our." plan with this guy you know the process he needs to get comfortable we just can't rush him back up here and that's certainly a decision easier made easier by the fact that Chris Iannetta playing very well up here at the major league level so you know as long as uh, Iannetta stays healthy they have no reason to rush Zemino back up here you know even in a backup role where he'd only get you know sparing time I think they they want to let him play they want to really let him develop that uh, that overall game that, that will benefit them in the in the long term with this guy and he remains a big part of the future but they want it to be uh want it to be on, uh, you know, full, full stock and ready to go and be the guy they expect. Yeah, and it's not just like sending him down and letting him develop there. It's, and that's the hard part is when you're assessing somebody in there at the major league level. And, I mean, we're talking about a 193 batting average over 295 games. So that's not a small sample over, over right. the course of three seasons. And you worry, the worry for a front office is that are we letting this kid bury himself to the point where mentally he's not going to be able to have success at this level because this is kind of in his head and now he's so screwed up, um, you know, as the Yogi Berra saying goes that the game is like, you know, 90% mental or whatever, but mm -hmm. it's so true. And at what, it, it just, it, I guess it kind of surprises me that it took that long for them to say, you know, at, at, that at no point they said, wait a second, we we might be doing more damage to this kid for his career than it's worth, and let's send yeah. him down now. 
I mean, I think it speaks to where they were and just didn't have other great options and, and really thought this kid would, would fight through it. And, uh, you know, he, he hit, you know, a fair number of home runs and things. You look at his power numbers were pretty good. So, you know, they kind of lived with it for a year. And, and you know, it wasn't until, you know, midway through last year, uh, in fact, ironically, uh, uh, the day Jack Sorensic was fired was the day they had, Jack had already decided to send him down. And, and that's the way that worked out. So he went down for the last month last year in AAA and they, uh, you know, when the new group came in, they said, "Hey, let's let's get, go out and get some catchers." They went out and got Ionetta and Steve Clevenger. Said, "Give this kid a break and let's let him uh, develop his game, and we'll be okay at the major leagues uh, for this year and and see where he's at going forward." Okay, and now I have to ask you: Is, is there a Cleveland thing? Because I'm reading through, you know, I read like everything that's been written about every team before I do this podcast, and it seems like everyone is, has some kind of really good thing going when they play Cleveland. Uh, we're talking about the Mariners. So is this something that's like I'm making up in my head? It seems like Kyle Seeger, the Mariners as a whole. Is there a Cleveland thing here that, that think good things happen when they play the Indians? Well, it's interesting. Uh, for a few individuals uh, offensively, Seeger being one of them, uh, he's hit very, very well. In fact, uh, I think since 2010, he's got the highest batting average of any opposing hitter at Progressive Field and, and uh, over 400 and, and came here. Uh, on an 0 for 17 streak, uh, struggling the heck out of it, and uh, came in here and homered and singled uh, his first game here in Cleveland, and, and said he felt a lot better. And you know, whether <laughs> whether it's this park or what, he definitely needs to get on that uh, roll and felt, feeling good about it. But traditionally, uh, Allison, over over the years, you know, we've seen some nightmare games here in, in Cleveland, a lot of blown saves. I can remember some uh, uh, several ninth inning uh, meltdowns with uh, with a couple different closers that that came through. So. Cleveland hasn't been particularly uh, kind to the Mariners, and they've had some horrible weather situations here, some weather, uh, uh, some snow, some, some sleet, some hail, some, you know, numerous game years where they had to come back and, and play in the middle of the year. So I think your, your overall picture probably not as friendly as a couple of the, the numbers, uh, Cano and, and uh, Cal Seager in particular, that have hit, hit very well here. So it's a mixed bag uh, as, as most places, but uh, certainly uh, would like to get uh, – Get get on a good roll here, so they head out, and then we go to Anaheim next. And um, it's, it's a team that's looking to get get on a little streak here. There you go. Okay, <laughs> that's good to know. So I was just uh, making things up in my head, or maybe just exaggerating a little bit, which I tend to do. So, uh, Greg, thank you so much, and enjoy the rest of the week. We'll talk to you next week. You got Allison. Take care. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.